Welcome to another Awaken Wednesday. I have Isabel and Gabby joining me today, and we're going to talk all about stress and mindfulness and how we can use mindfulness to um, completely change or shift our stress level and how important it is for adjusting our stress level. So with that, let's get started. Is that okay intro? Yeah. To inspire you to boldly and unapologetically live outside the box, dream big, and question everything. This is the Defy the Norm podcast with nomads with a purpose. All right, so uh, last Saturday I did a little solo cast talking a little bit about, well, we talked about that we are rock climbing again and, uh, you know, how important it is to have a lunchbox when you travel just because, you know, if you're putting bad food into your body, it's a little hard to defy the norm and, you know, your energy level's not the same. But today we're going to dive into like some more of the science of the brain and, uh, Gabby's really amazing at researching a lot of this and kind of connecting the dots and Isabel's really amazing at tying it into just mindfulness and really what started uh, this kind of uh, dialogue this week at least is that we're back in APA. It's our fifth wheel and we're we're just so happy in it. it I really, I think everyone's so happy in it, but me especially. In fact, we want to do this East Coast trip or a trip to Florida come fall, and I've been obsessing over planning the trip, and I want so much to be able to tow this fifth wheel on the trip. However, it's not easy. Like, we move too fast. On this trip right now, we're in one campsite for three or four days before switching, and it's like, it's great, but like by the time you settle and get comfortable, you're already like, okay, time to pack up and hitch up, and I just know for all the destinations we're trying to cover on this um, we're trying to go to like Kentucky, Red River Gorge, Tennessee, surf the Outer Banks, surf Florida, all these places that we're trying to go. I'm like, it's just not realistic. And so one of the reasons we, you know, live this lifestyle, how we've traveled this way is because I can really sit and be mindful of my future feelings. How is blank going to make me feel? Now I have enough uh, history of travel that I can kind of guess like, oh, this type of travel will feel like this, or this destination will probably feel like this. Is that what I want? There's some feeling of if we go in our in our Class C Momo that it's really fun. We get to travel really fast, but at the same time, you're missing a lot of creature comforts. I mean, we have a huge kitchen in this. There's so much room for us to spread out in our fifth wheel, and so it. It, for me, at least, it made me go back and open up uh, the numerology book. Um, what is it? Finding your life's purpose. The uh, life you're born to live. The life you're born to live. That's right, by Dan Millman. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of like, uh, sometimes I'll open it up just to re as a review. Okay, okay, what's my life purpose? Integrity and wisdom. Okay, okay, got it. So sometimes I'll look for clues. Like maybe there's just something I'm missing. There's something that just feels uneasy. I want to connect every single dot. And so I opened it up and I was looking at the laws. Because if you, if you look at that book, it tells you your numerology and, you know, you have two numbers. Like I'm a 36-9 and so I'm on a life path 9. And if you're on a life path with that, you know, there's five laws. For me, it's intuition, action, perfection, flexibility, and honesty. 
And there's so many of those things that I feel like are coming together for me. But then at the same time, um, there's some parts that I'm like, oh, perfection. Perfection is probably the one I have to work on the most right now. I realize that like the more that I let go of perfection and just let things happen how they are. Like, so I'm trying to plan the perfect trip and I realize like there's no such thing. I need to just embrace like I'm still going to feel it out. I'm still absolutely going to overthink it, which means I'm going to overtalk it to Gabby and Isabel. <laughs> well, what about this scenario? What about this scenario? Well, how do you think this is going to feel? Well, what do you really want? Like, I really want them to be happy too. So I ask a lot of questions and I talk a lot about it. But in the end, I go like, okay, at some point I tr click it off and I'm like, it's good enough. It's perfect enough. Well, on a side note, when I was looking back through each of those, each of those laws, if you like are really interested in more mindfulness or helping yourself defy the norm, each of those laws has a little uh, exercise or a meditation. And literally I was cracking up because mine for intuition is literally like you're walking down a path and all these people are saying, no, don't go this way. Oh, that's the wrong way. You'll never make it. You know, like all the haters, all the naysayers, all that. And I hadn't read that part, actually. I don't know if I ever did read that part of the book. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you guys, this is absolutely defy the norm. I didn't even realize. So that was my intro way of saying like, seriously, the numerology stuff, it's on point. Like, you know, if you ever feel stuck in life, you're not sure where to go, open that book up and just see if you can apply those five laws. Whew, that was a long intro, okay. There is more to that though, because besides us rock climbing and besides us planning a trip to Florida and Red River Gorge. And besides being so happy rock climbing and being able to come back to an amazing fifth wheel in Appa, we've also been watching this docu-series Proven. And the, again, like this intuition that I'm like, oh, I've kind of been kind of been outside the box. I kind of think differently. I kind of act differently. Um, well, that's kind of the same thing in like you know, Gabby's really into flow state and into teaching consciousness and Gabby or Isabel's really into mindfulness. And we're watching this docu-series and it's just mind blowing that like all these things that we know work, they, we know they work for us. We know that there's um, still this process of growth that we're still on, but there's a lot of um, epiphanies that we've had along the way. And to watch this docu-series and they're saying like, all these proven ways to heal yourself outside of the allopathic medical system, like mindfulness, meditation, decreasing stress. It's really um, exciting, I think. I think it's really exciting to know that we're on the right track and yet, and like there's pr other proof besides our us just saying it. Because when we first started traveling in an RV, nobody, I didn't know anybody who did this. It wasn't really a thing, nor did I even try to necessarily have this big platform where I'm like, you got to do this. This is so amazing. It felt good for me. That was enough. Well, now we're a little bit more vocal. Now on my life path, I realize I have to speak up a little bit more and say like, hey, like mindfulness is important. Consciousness is important. Decreasing your stress level is so important. So I'm going to go to the experts, Gabby and Isabel, and ask some questions because they dive down and get like a lot of more um, we'll start off with Isabel's been reading the book Happier. I think I mentioned it on last Saturday on the solo cast. Happier is a book that like changed the trajectory of our life before we even started RV living. Gabby and Danny were about 10 and 12. I started teaching the principles from that book. This is a Harvard professor who back in 2002 told the dean, hey, you know what? I think I have um, some insight on 
happiness and I want to teach a class. So Isabel, tell us a little bit of the background with the book and the teacher and like why he started that. Yeah, so I believe I'm going to get the name right saying this. I'm going to be embarrassed if not. Tal Ben-Shahar. Yeah, (laughs) in my head it sounds weird to pronounce it that way. But he wrote the book Happier, and this book came into existence because he originally ran a course back at a university um, with students teaching and pondering how we can be happier. And it wasn't that just a college. It was Harvard. It was at Harvard. It was a big deal. And so he was, at his first, I remember him saying, in his first round of this course, of this uh, class he was teaching, there was, I believe, six people, and two of them dropped out out (laughs) of it. So there was only four people in it. The next year, he had 400 people in this uh, lesson. And then the year after that, he had 800 people uh, getting in on this lesson on how we can be happier. And so that led him to writing the book of the, the guide of, everything he taught on how to be happier, his philosophy on being happier. And it really is such an incredible book to read, even though it's, um, for me at least, it's very, seems very simple and basic. It's a very good reminder. And it's also incredible because it's such a good mindset and overview to the average eye of what it means to be happy and what mindfulness is as a, as a whole, really, because by being mindful, you become happier. And that's what his whole philosophy is really behind the book is how do you become more mindful and self-aware like through all his questions that he asked throughout the book and bringing awareness to your life so that you can be happier. Yeah, and it's funny because I kind of feel like, you know, my our amazing, um, whatever, two dozen, three dozen listeners, thank you so much, we love you. But I kind of feel like we're on this cusp too, like that... Like, I feel like we're in 2002 teaching a class on mindfulness and consciousness and people are like, what is that? And in two years from now, people are going to be like, only like talking all about consciousness (laughs) because it's just story of my life. I'm always on like this first edge of it and then I don't stick with it long enough to be the loudest voice, but you just, which is totally your numerology. I'm going to be the, yeah. Consciousness is such a, such a big thing tied to mindfulness, but we need mindfulness first. So what were some of like the things that, and, and. Granted, they might seem basic to you because you study this a lot, but what are the big things that you think somebody who's just first thinking about mindfulness that would resonate with them? I think the thing that even for me is I feel, even though I say it's very basic, it's still in a way mind-blowing and still very deep and um, super very valuable. important. Valuable, thank you. Um, very valuable is that his philosophy of the key to true happiness lies in the balance between purpose and pleasure. So he draws out this graph like you would for doing math and where it's a, basically a press an sign, X an X and Y scale. And in one corner, the right top right hand corner is happiness, true happiness. And then the opposite of that is um, nihilism, I believe. So that means you're um, you have no future, it's all future detriment and present detriment. So there's no happiness found in the future or the past. And then above that on the le- top left, I believe is the, the, he calls it the vegetarian burger, where it's a future uh, benefit, but present detriment. So that's the rat race mentality. And that is also not happiness, but we think it'll bring us happiness. The same goes for the nihilism one. And then we have the bottom right hand corner, which is hedonist. Hedonist, is that hedonist? And that is the junk food burger, where it's, you have present benefit, but no, but you have future detriment. And he explains how we uh, have those, four squares and the key to happiness is finding both present 
and future benefit and how we can always get caught up in either the rat race or the nihilistic or the hedonist mindset and how the key to getting to that uh, top right hand corner of true happiness lies in finding both present and future happiness. So you have to find a way and it's really the simplest way of explaining mindfulness because he's asking you throughout the book like how can you be serve more purpose? How can you set goals? What is the goal that matters to you? How can you bring mindfulness into this arena? But also don't just get caught up in the future. How can you bring happiness into your moment right now? What makes you happy in the present? And I think that's a really powerful thing to just question. And even though it seems so simple, maybe to some people, it's still mind blowing to read and it's so powerful. It's such a simple thing to apply. The, or not necessarily simple. It's a hard thing to apply for sure, but it's such a simple approach to it. It's a, in and, a one yeah. graph. And the thing that was that's the big take home from that is that it, I'm not gonna pretend that we haven't had to make some really hard, dramatic um, decisions uh, be, in order to find balance between those two things. I it might seem like it right now, like oh, Robin, your life is so easy. You have it all. You're just so happy. It must be nice. But but it was hard decisions to get here. It absolutely started from that book saying like, you know what? This does not bring me joy anymore. I am going to trust. I'm going to open my crown chakra and I'm going to trust that the universe is going to work work its way for me. But also Manipura. I'm going to step into this arena and work towards what I think is present happiness and future happiness. And... I have to go one more Manipura or um, one more chakra level down and sacral chakra and like really f work hard every day to overcome self-doubt, vulnerability, what is somebody going to think of me? Um, so we know this. We know that we have to find balance between future happiness and present happiness. Not always easy, but the alternative is not at least for me, the alternative wasn't an option in that I didn't want to just keep living a life of stress. Stress, stress to get places. I got it, I got it, I got it, I have to, but I can't. All these excuses that come up because of stress, because we think this is the only way. And so this is where we get to cue Gabby, who um, just reread, we've read this book before, we've talked about it before, but The Buddha's Brain, it really talks a lot about like how stress plays a role in kind of our unraveling, making it so that we can't, it literally takes away our superpower of being mindful. Mindful gives us superpowers, stress kind of takes it away. Yeah, absolutely. And like you were just saying about, oh, um, you know, people must think, oh, you're so happy. But, uh, but as you were saying that, I couldn't help but think, isn't it funny how people are so um, judgmental of happiness? And yet at the same time, it is so much easier to be upset in life. Yeah. And that's exactly what the Buddha's brain is all about. It is so much work to be happy. And that's everything that the Buddha's brain is all about. Because the Buddha's brain is a book about the neuroscience of happiness, love, and wisdom. And it takes the approach of... They tried to basically do a bunch of research on um, the science of how our brains would function based on the Buddhist philosophy. And that Buddhist philosophy could in some ways be correlated to that more of present happiness. I don't know if it necessarily focuses as much on um, future happiness as much, but still, we're talking about most of us are living either in nihilism or in um, rat race. Um, no, the, ve the vegetarian burger, rat race, future happiness. So a lot of us are forgetting to be 
in our present I would happiness. say a lot too in the hedonistic because just dopamine I mean like we've talked about yeah. social media and you know if you're living just for like going to the brewery and then scrolling social media and you're not like in a way of avoiding life being right. present. yeah so. and so yeah I guess true happiness is the balance of both and yet the whole book pretty much can be summed up into the idea that our brain is drawn to have a negativity bias. And that comes because of the natural evolution of our brain um, and how our ancestors actually had reasons to um, focus on fear and threat and danger and anxiety. And so our natural response is not only a negativity bias, but it also um, produces anxiety and stress and depression. And so this negativity bias then creates, um, sets, ourselves, sets our, ourselves up to be unhappy. And the reason, the only way to overcome that is to integrate more, integrate those positive experiences more. Because, you know, one of the interesting um, statistics in the book is that it, in a relationship with another person, it takes five positive experiences to outweigh one negative experience with another person. And that's really powerful and that kind of could sum up the, how the whole book works around. That our brain attaches so much more to those negative experiences because it will use those negative experiences to enlist them in the future just because of how, how our primal brain works. It thought that um, future scenarios it wanted to protect us in future scenarios, and so it latched on to those negative experiences. And the only way to overcome that is to, one, integrate with those positive experiences fully and deeply and embody them in our in our physical being and processing, like, I am happy right now and really processing that for 20 seconds because we're so, we're so all about, I'm happy, and then we move on to the next thing. And then the next thing is drawing us back toward a negativity bias. And then the second one is, that was interesting that I was just reading back, um, about again today was that the other aspect that we have to integrate is when our negative experiences come back up in our memories because our brains are constantly bringing back old memories we have to think of a positive experience to essentially um, shove that shove that or degrade degrade that negative experience and turn it into a positive one yeah. so it's literally that's why like something as simple as gratitude journaling can be so powerful absolutely I mean I, I read an article on gratitude journaling too and then I think gratitude journaling has that effect but then gratitude journaling also has the effect that it um um something about about I don't remember all the steps but it actually opens your heart chakra yeah, I remember but, that but yeah, um I'm sure there's like you could connect all the dots <laughs> yeah and it's crazy how much this is really as you're saying it it's so much tied to what we talked about in previous podcasts about um the sacral chakra that so much our brain is tied to I remember you saying how our ego brain it's not its fault that it holds on to those negative things and it's so weird to actually I know for me to process that like I try to think oh I'm such an optimist about life I don't actually think negatively but deep down I know that I must have that we have a primal brain like you said back in that podcast like we have a primal brain that now perceives any sort of social shame as a survival mm -hmm. and so it takes it to our survival brain thinking that oh my gosh we're going to die if we do this again mm -hmm. and so it's so much that whole awareness comes down to a lot of sacral chakra but also many pura healing as well because then if we do too much uh there's a lot of shame tied to those to that mindset and so being aware of like how our sacral chakra or many pura are showing up in our day and saying oh we have to do more to be enough or oh i'm not enough as i am you know and in some ways that's what i always say with homeschooling is that sometimes homeschooling is not so much what you provide but what you're um preventing and like i think of uh, my kids and you know i 
not that it's anything wrong. You can send your kids to school. It's just for me, I noticed that the more um, we were out creating experiences, they're getting all these positive experiences, but they're avoiding those negative interactions or, you know, they had so many less social shaming experiences, don't you think, over the time from like... Maybe. You know? <laughs> well, I would say for me, if I was going to be completely honest, is that I think I was given better tools to deal with the social shaming because But if you had been level. going to school, there would probably be every day some there's always there's always the mean girl or there's always the snobby person or there's always a like that's true there so was a level of ways, less less repetition of having to throw more carrots because you didn't have to, you kind of avoided a lot of the sticks no. not that that's the main reason that i chose to homeschool but i do think if we're talking an equation that it's like if you need five carrots to one stick well if you're going to go out and provide you know 50 carrots, then you have a reservoir for 10 sticks is what you're saying. You had the tools because you had these extra carrots mm -hmm. that you're getting. And I think a lot of people in their regular, regular life or kids, when they're going through school here, they go through maybe a day where they all of a sudden they get five carrot, five sticks. Now they've got to go and offset it with 25 carrots. And sometimes that's just really hard to do. So as if we haven't tied in enough books on this, we have another book that we uh, reference often. It's the map of consciousness. And the interesting thing with the map of consciousness is when you shift your shift your thinking from like, not I am this body, but I have this body, correct? Yes. That's what it talks about in there. And it's a very big shift. Um, I know it was for me when I thought like, you know how you can practice mindfulness and step outside your body and like from a third person and kind of reflect on like, well, this is me going through the motions of my day, but this is not me. I, I am not my thoughts. I am not my actions. I am separate. And mm -hmm. when um, when we start thinking about our brain and how it's tied, it, it's almost like to me it adds a layer of compassion to myself. Not to say I'm perfect. Not to say like I don't have these negative thoughts that arise. But it's more like you can detach and be like, interesting, interesting primal brain that you want to think that way. And I thought about it today when I was rock climbing. So Gabby's just phenomenal at leading. Isabel and I are troopers and we are great at top rope, but you know, we, it takes a little bit more to get us to like step up onto the wall and lead. I've been pushing myself. Thank you, COVID. I've been pushing myself more because of you. I've been pushing myself to lead a little bit more. And we're, the climbs we were doing today were really slimy. They're just climbed a lot. So the rocks kind of polished. And I had this moment on lead, like, like normally a lot of times Gabby will lead it first and then t give me the thumbs up like, yeah, mom, this is a good one for you. Or no, you probably won't like this. Well, this one she didn't. I went up, went up at first and I'm like, oh, it's in my range. I should be fine. But, you know, your brain gets going like your primal brain absolutely steps in and goes like, what if if you fall? And so you're assessing the risk and I get like a couple draws up and and it was kind of thin hands. It wasn't that bad, but my foot totally just slipped off. And I didn't fall, but it just completely slipped off. And I just noticed, like, you just step back and notice, like, oh, your brain wants to flee this situation. And you just have to, like, I, I think it helps because I watch Gabby stay calm in these scenarios. And I think, like, no, no, just just breathe. Just stay here. You're okay. And you, then you, I have to recall on, like, oh, but there's lots of times where you feel like you're going to fall, but you never do. So it's like you purposely have to use mindfulness to draw those carrots, right? You feel yeah. it. You for sure, I'm sure, feel it when you're climbing. Yeah, I think at this point it's like automatic in climbing in other areas. I don't, of course, like 
now you feel like you're just reps. You've gotten so many reps, you don't yeah. you don't feel it. Yeah. I feel it when I'm on the wall. Like I'm working through this, like this whole thing. Like no, no, no. I'm capable. I can do this. Don't panic. Stay calm. Yeah. Focus they, on what's in hand. They talk about how there's four stages in overcoming your primal brain in the book, and so you go from unconscious incompetence, so unaware oh. of your incompetence, then yeah. conscious conscious incompetence so that's the one we always say hey the first step is awareness yeah then you go to conscious competence you're taking conscious action to make yourself take take your manipura your solar plexus like okay i'm competent i'm overcoming my primal brain i'm not letting my primal brain get the best of me and then it moves into unconscious competence and so in climbing i think i'm like there but of course like in other areas of my life i would probably be in step two or three still Oh, that's interesting. Yes. And I really feel like that's like, that's the key for a lot of things. Because we always talk about when you're stuck in life, whatever it is, whether it's climbing, whether it's relationships, it's your job, it's your kids, it's whatever it is. Like, you have to like catch whatever that self-limiting belief is. And you can't until you become conscious of that self-limiting belief. And it's the same with like that primal brain. Like, you have to be conscious of when that... um, so I was talking about numerology and the laws, you know, everyone has different ones to, to follow. And so last week we talked about freedom and discipline is like if you're a 32-5. And so one of... If you have any if five, you're a five, five, not like... any Anyone on a life path of five. But I don't know if all life, all fives have all the same laws, but at least in 32-5s, the laws you're trying to do is discipline, balance, responsibility, honesty, and action. Well, then there is, for discipline is an interesting word because um, the exercise for discipline was all about, um, it's really about freedom through depth, depth of experience. It's not so much like, we talked about this last week, it's not like being responsible and showing up to work. Yes, that's important. But this is like being disciplined to achieve your goals. And so there is an exercise in there to envision um to pretend like you're standing like 10 feet from a doorway. And on the other side of the doorway is like, it's beautiful, it's sunshine, it's your paradise, it's a dream. It's what you really, really, really want. But you never cross that threshold. You never walk through that doorway. And so you're supposed to envision, envision um, whether, like what is it that keeps you from taking that step? What keeps gets you from, you know, changing careers? What keeps you from, going and traveling the world what keeps you from whatever it is that you know that you really you really want and you have to picture it like is it we talked about it's like a patronus but the opposite is it like a stag is it you want to put make it look like a monster is it like big teeth or whatever you picture it and you keep replaying it in your mind you're you walk to the door and that whatever we're going to call it dementor really shows up and and you just let it show up you're like okay fine 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 and then you visualize it again okay it shows up it shows and you just keep replaying it showing up until it triggers anger because anger is really the biggest tool because it it shows our it shows desire that we truly want but we're afraid to engage and so like really that's your primal brain at play right there it's like that primal brain is is stopping you like you can't go through this doorway and so if you just meditate on like okay picturing what is that what's the primal brain saying to me what's it what's it preventing me from doing what's that dialogue like oh you're not strong enough you're not smart enough you're you're gonna fail you um 
you know, you, it's not really worth it. You should, you should play it safe. Whatever that dialogue is, picturing it until it gets to a point where you're angry. And Yeah. I mean, I basically reiterate, like, in the Buddhist brain, that's one of the things they say. They're like, um, yeah, integrate your positive experiences, turn your, um, bring up a positive experience when a negative experience comes to mind. And then they're like, if you're feeling ambitious, then take the, take a small risk and do things that reason tells you are fine but worry wants you to to avoid and that would be one of those things and so that you know it's always our it's not our rational mind that says we shouldn't do things it's the primal mind who says that we shouldn't do things absolutely it's and a subconscious sub as your dad like say under the surface 95 percent is under the surface and so much of that too like in everyday life is like allowing yourself to embrace your inner child to undo that like negative mindset and while there's some you know some things that we should be cautious of that like our primal brain is valid about there's so much to think about when you're a child and when you're young you're just curious you allow yourself to do things you don't go by um social standards or whatever because you don't know any better you're allowing yourself to just you're innocent so just allowing that to come out in your everyday life i know for me i know for some other people it's very very powerful and helpful for overcoming some of these survival instincts that have turned into programmings and that keep us limited and in the end it will help us like heal our sacral chakra so much and help us step into more of that that positive quadrant on that uh happier scale into uh present and future happiness and if you're an adult i'm going to tell you my two because sometimes it's hard for me to let necessarily let my inner child out but what i am good at is being less of an adult <laughs> if that's possible but it is like I, I really like there's I used to worry as an adult so much more like what if this what if my bank accounts like this what if I'm ruining my kids lives what if this happens what am I gonna do in this scenario and now while I don't do as many dance parties as although the other day I did grab your dad in the campground and told him to dance that was me trying to bring out my inner child for you but I'm not as good about like all right let's just start dancing and painting but I am good at like catching myself and like, you know what? I don't really feel like adulting so much today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Less adulting. Yeah. And like inner child work, I feel like can be dancing and all that, but also just like your mindset when you're doing things as well. Like yes. noticing not, maybe not all the time when you work, but sometimes noticing as you're going about work and just be like, Ooh, I wonder what this button does. Or like, <laughs> or like, Oh, I wonder if I like tried this. Let me sell. Could you imagine if I acted track. like Jariah for a day? Oh my gosh. So <laughs> you should have dad act like Jariah for a day. All right. So to finish this off on, um, because I would leave it for next week, but there's a good chance that so much happens in our life that by next week, I'll forget it to go one step deeper in, um, mindfulness and stress. Um, and in the proven docu-series, which we have a link for in the show notes, is it talked a lot about trauma today. Well, today's was about trauma. And trauma is something that uh, we all experience, whether it's a little trauma or a big trauma, our brain wires it the same way. So whether you, like, I wouldn't have necessarily thought that I had trauma, but, you know, in my first podcast I talk about how like oh I can see why I took the steps I took because I felt broken from coming from a broken family and feeling misunderstood and not heard and all those things those that probably was a wiring at some point that I that I think I've somewhat mostly um rewired a different way but you know we have neuroplasticity we can rewire this well what was interesting about this you really should watch the whole docu-series if you feel like you are struggling with any form of trauma or um it, it's not even necessarily that you know you're 
struggling with trauma. It's that if you're if you're trying to practice mindfulness or you're trying to, you know, there's something more you want, but your brain just doesn't seem like it wants to cooperate or be on the same page. There's um, a lot of things that they do, like electro, I call electroshock therapy. I don't think they're really like shocking you like electric chair or anything, but I forget the name of it. I can look on my phone. Um, there is stuff that they can because, you know, we talk about with the chakras, you get crystallization. So why would you not have crystallizations in your in your um, mind also, in your brain too? It's a, so, it's a shut off synapse, right? Yeah. And then... The cool part is they went through five things. One, so one is that. Now that one's gonna cost a little bit more money and you need to get somebody to do it with you. The next one was mindfulness. They're literally saying in there, like if you practice mindfulness, this has been proven to, to heal traumas, to help you get past, to rewire your brain. But it does take, you can't just like, just sitting and meditating really isn't enough. They're talking about, you've gotta go deep into like understanding the thoughts that are happening, you know, go like reflect on them. Don't, don't just like sit there. Okay. I sat there in silence for 15 minutes. Hmm. It's weird. Nothing's happening for me yet. Well, you sometimes have to go into those thoughts and like, what, what are they telling you? The third one was dancing. I came home. I was so excited because I watched it when I was, uh, wasn't with the girls and I'm like, you guys, guess what? Number three was dancing. Number four was painting. Now it is a little specific type of dancing and painting, which but not that it really matters that much. The, the act of like being creative, healing your sacral chakra heals your traumas. And number five was nature. And so it was so cool to know that four of those things are free. They're just things we don't make time for. Um, so not only nature, it was also talking about like connecting with animals. Um, so those are four things you can totally do. And even if you know you don't have a major trauma, we all have like these micro traumas that that really do limit us in defying the norm and living our best life boldly, bravely, with confidence. Yeah. You guys have anything to wrap up with that? Yeah. Well, I would just say that too. Like along with that, n- noticing to it would help so much with noticing how we hold on to the carrots and sticks. Literally make the time today or tomorrow to write out some of your most positive memories. And so then after you write them down, I remember for me, and I know it's so much easier to remember them when you notice a stick uh, negative memory come up. It's so much easier to remember those positive ones after having written them down. I was going to say, honestly, the gratitude journaling is probably really important. It's like you get lazy about it, but if you just write the few things that you're grateful for and you can you can have the smallest things you're grateful for each day you could say i'm grateful that it was warm today or i'm grateful for the food i I got to eat today whatever it is or you could have something more exciting that you're grateful for but we forget about those little things because it's literally wired into our brain to forget those things because they're not important for our survival but they are important for our thrivingness um so if you write them down that way when you go to have a negative memory and you're like, I don't know what positive memory to pull from. I can't think of positive memories because your hippocampus is trying not to remember those positive <laughs> memories. Um, well, if you have them written down, then you reference, oh man, you remember that one day that like, that day was so good. And then you have the tools available to you in writing to uh, build off of when you're trying to rewire your brain. Awesome. All right. Thanks you guys. We'll see you uh, Saturday for the solo cast.